Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. It's great to be with you wherever you're joining us online. I know that there are many from around the world who are connecting with us, and um, as I speak today, uh, it's important that you know that I wish that I could be with you in person, face-to-face. Today, uh, I want to speak about a passage in the book of Ephesians. I first met uh, Frederico when he was a member of a local church in the northwestern section of Ventuk, Namibia. He was faithfully serving the church, but had not been given the opportunity to actually function within his particular spiritual giftedness. He was faithfully and wonderfully uh, submitting to the the leader of that church and doing whatever that uh, leader asked him to do. He's a great, faithful member. That particular leader of that church uh, moved on for various reasons, and uh, that church was left without a leader. And so Frederico, who is a faithful uh, servant of the church, uh, just stepped in uh, to a leadership vacuum, and God used Frederico uh, to grow that church exponentially. God continued to speak and lead through him to where uh, not only did he, was he satisfied with just that church, but God has used him to start churches uh, in other parts of the city of Ventuk. And um, to date, uh, he has started a church in uh, almost every uh, single town and city in Namibia and a few places in Angola. Uh, God has gifted him with his spiritual gift of apostleship to, to have a huge impact on the kingdom of God. Incredible God. I'm glad I can call him my friend. Uh, Paul writes, uh, the apostle Paul writes the letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. This is what he says. Now these uh, are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full, complete standard of Christ. This is God's plan. God's plan is to gift the church with people who have the spiritual gift of apostleship, people who have the spiritual gift of prophecy, people who have the spiritual gift of evangelism, people who have the spiritual gift of shepherding, pastoring, and people who have the spiritual gift of teaching to build up and equip the church for the work of ministry so that the church will be united in Christ and fully mature in Him. What an amazing gift. So God has actually given the church specific people with specific gifts so that we can actually be all that God wants us to be. Church can be united loving each other, fully mature in Christ. The letter to the Ephesians was written to actually build the church up in the first place. It's an amazing letter. And if we look back, we rewind back before we, we, we get to this point in Ephesians 4, uh, just I want to highlight a few things to help us remember um, why the passage in Ephesians 4 is so significant. So Paul is writing this letter, by the way, from prison. And he's calling Jews and Gentiles to walk in unity. So he's calling people who who historically hated each other, didn't get along, but in Christ are now 
consider each other to be family, he's asking them to continue to walk unified and loving each other, free of racism, free of racial divide. Uh, he's writing to faithful followers of Jesus. So this letter is not written to leaders, but this is written to believers, people who've already decided to follow Jesus Christ. So the everyday common person, not any specific leader, is who Paul is writing to. He's um, uh, reminding us in the letter that uh, we are people who actually function and operate by the Spirit's power, the Holy Spirit moving in us. Matter of fact, he goes on to say that the Spirit is God's guarantee of our inheritance. This active, the active Spirit of God working in us today, working in that church and their lives active, is reminding them that the Holy Spirit is what makes everything work. And he's the one who's given these gifts. Um, and that the Spirit of God was, was given not only just to a few elite, maybe just the Jews, but was actually given to Jews and Gentiles, to all people, to the educated and the uneducated, those who were favored and those who were not favored, that in Christ uh, uh, we are united by the Spirit of God. He also, uh, earlier in the letter, tells us about that everything is under the authority of Christ, the, that Christ is head of the church, and that uh, the church is made full and complete by Christ. And then he reminds his believers that God came to us and loved us while we were sinners, that we didn't do anything to deserve God's favor, but that God came to us while we were still sinners. Uh, Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's God's grace came to us while we were still dead in our sins, and it came to us and loved us in spite of ourselves. And then uh, he wants us to understand in this letter that in Christ we have a brand new identity, that we are no longer uh, people who identify uh, only with our historical, uh, socioeconomic, our uh, you know, uh, geographical, our politically aligned system, but that we identify in Christ. We become new people in him. And that our and we are united around something greater than our politics, greater than our geography, greater than the color of our skin, greater than our former belief system, that we are united in Christ. So this is the preamble to Ephesians 4. So therefore, when he writes in Ephesians 4, he says this, uh, I beg you, uh, writing from prison, Ephesians 4 verse 1, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, building yourselves together with peace. And in the verse 4, he starts this line that is just so powerful, and you've probably heard it before. It's so beautiful, so powerful. There is, He says, for there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord. There is one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. He's saying, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. You guys need to figure out how to continue to walk worthy of your calling, united under this banner of one, God being Lord of all. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 10 talks about that the goal of all this is that ultimately that that Christ himself would fill the entire universe with himself, with himself, not selves, but with himself, that, that Christ himself would fill the entire universe. Uh, it's mind-boggling, incredible. 
And this unity, God over all, one God over all, would fill, that his kingdom would expand. Another way to put this, that his kingdom would expand throughout the earth is the goal uh, of, of, of Christ uh, for us. How do we endeavor to do all this? How do we stay unified? How do we uh, make sure that, that Christ's kingdom expands to all the earth? Well, God's plan was to place uh, in the church spiritually gifted people to equip us and to, to train us. In other words, to build us up and edify us so that we can actually fulfill this plan of being united in Christ and fully grown up in him doing the work of ministry. God's goal for us was that we would be trained. He's placed specific people in the church to train us so that we can actually be effective, equipped to do every single good work that God wants us to do. So in other words, we can be the church. We can be healthy church. If these gifted, spiritually gifted, are functioning and free to function in the context of our body. Uh, Ephesians 4 verse 7 says that each one of us, verse 7, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Every one of us has a spiritual gift. God has given us all a spiritual gift. If we are followers of Christ, we have a spiritual gift. And, he, and the point of this, again, verse 10, and that the same one who descended, Christ who descended, and then he ascended up in the heavens uh, so that we might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these gifts Christ gave to the church, verse 11, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. I, I love how Paul wrote this. Uh, he's not saying here that uh, specific spiritual gifts are given to us, but he's saying that spiritually gifted people are given to us. He identifies them. It's not just a spiritual gift, but these spiritual gifts are attached to people. So the gift that Paul is referring to to the church, God's gift to the church are specific people. Interesting, mind-boggling thought that every church has been given by God the spiritual gift, the spiritually gifted, so that they can actually uh, be fully mature to do the work of ministry. Uh, so just think of the church you're part of. Think about the church that you belong to. God has given your church an, uh, an apostle or apostles. God has given your church uh, prophets, uh, a prophet or prophets. God has given your church evangelist or an evangelist. God has given your church uh, shepherds. God has given your church teachers so that you can be everything God wants you to be in the context of that church. God has given us everything we need. I love this. God hasn't left us high and dry, hasn't sent us on a mission without giving us the right resources so that we can actually accomplish the mission. God has supplied everything we need for the work of ministry. Part of his plan is that God placed prophets, evangelists, apostles, pastors, and teachers in the church so that the church can be fully equipped for the work of ministry. Uh, and this was given to the everyday common person of the church, not just leaders. And these gifts are in operation today. These gifts did not die off with the original 12 apostles. These gifts are functioning and working today. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And he says this will continue uh, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14 and following through 16. Then we will no longer be immature like children. 
We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of, of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So the point of these spiritually gifted people in the context of church is that they would help us be unified around the faith. They would create unity. They would build us up in unity. They would help us to step away from our cultural, geographical, whatever those ties we have in our past life, and that we would identify more and more with Christ and that we become one, unified together, regardless of skin color, regardless of status, that, that we would be one. The job of those five is to equip the church so that we can be truly one, united. That we would also grow up in the knowledge of the Son of God. That we would, we would actually grow up to the full maturity, to the perfection of Christ, is what, what, what the Scripture teaches us, is that we would become uh, fully mature. Uh, and the standard here is Christ, not each other, but that we would raise to the level and the standard of Christ himself. That we would be so doctrinally sound, that we would be so biblically founded, that we would not be blown away by every wind of doctrine. The point of these gifted people is to help us so that we will be doctrinally sound, theologically solid, biblically based, so that we're not blown away, so that we can identify something false. It's true that if a person really knows what's true, he'll be able to identify what's false. So the point is, is to train people up into what's true so that they can identify what's false and then stick to the truth. It's really a waste of time to identify and spend all your time learning about what's false and, and not spending any time learning about what's true. You'll never know what's true then. You need to spend time in being raised up and equipped in truth so that you know what's false. That's the job of these people is to help equip the church so that uh, they will stand firm, not blown away with every new wind. And that they would operate in love. They would grow up in love. That, that the church would be known for loving each other. Jesus said it himself. He said that uh, you'll, they will know you're my disciples because of your love. That love is the evidence of truly being mature in Christ. These gifted train the church and equip the church so that they are full of love, so that they speak the truth in love to each other. They operate always with love for each other. It's interesting to me the book of Revelation actually uh, shows a letter actually sent to the church of Ephesus who, although they were doctrinally pure, biblically sound, they had lost their love. And oh, this letter is sent to them as a warning to say, listen, if you don't go back to your first love, if you don't start loving again, you're going to be disqualified as a church. They were not uh, people who were tossed to and fro by strange winds of doctrine, but they were disqualified because they stopped loving God and they stopped loving others. Interesting that this church actually went that direction instead of actually being full of love. Our theology can never hold a higher place of importance than our love and our unity. These five gifted are crucial for developing unity in the church, maturity in the church, stability in the church, and specifically doctrinal, theological, biblical stability. Um, these five gifted are crucial for developing love in our church to learn how to operate 
uh, in healthy ways with each other, loving each other as we need to. Everyone serving in the church and growing and full of love to the full stature of Christ. Unity, maturity, stability, love. So the spiritual gift of teaching is one so that uh, is given by law. And it's one actually that in our churches today, we really recognize this, this particular gifted person. Over and over again, we see that teachers in our church actually have, uh, very often will have roles. The teachers have been entrusted with the task of effectively communicating what the Bible says, what it means, and how we as followers of Jesus Christ are to apply it to our lives here and now. They're entrusted uh, with the task of exposing what the Bible says, what it means, and how we can apply it to our lives. And they're gifted at it. They're good at bringing complex and, and helping people understand it in simple ways. They can move from complex to simple. Great ability to communicate uh, broad truths and make it to where people can understand. And not just uh, the educated people, but all people are able to then understand what these concepts mean. Teaching, the spiritual gift of teaching. The spiritual gift of shepherding. It's an incredible gift. We understand that one too, for the most part, in our churches. Uh, very often we'll see in the church... Uh, Teachers being active, also shepherds, people with the gift of shepherding. A gifted shepherd has the spirit-given capacity and desire to serve God by overseeing, protecting, training, and caring for the needs of a group of believers. Now, this gifting, this gifted person in the context of Ephesians 4, is not only speaking about someone who might be the elder of your church, the leader of your church, but it speaks of people who've been given uh, responsibility to actually care for specific people in the context of church. So this spiritual gift is given uh, to people who are able to shepherd, to care for, and to protect uh, specific people in church. They may also be able to teach, but their job is actually to care for, to protect, and to, to nurture uh, people in church. The gift of pastor Shepherding. Now, um, as I said already, uh, these two gifts, these two gifted people, teachers and shepherds, are often uh, well-known in, in current-day church. Most churches around the world highlight these two specific gifts and spend a lot of time with these two. And in many, many churches, these are the only two gifted people who are allowed to function in the context of church. But God's plan was for more. The gift of evangelism. This is very often not understood uh, like it needs to be. And uh, But what is the gift of evangelism? This person shares the gospel often. Uh, they have an unusual knack uh, for sharing. They are good at it, and they see people come to faith more than others. Uh, they encourage others to share the gospel. They're usually very sensitive and aware of people who don't know Jesus. They're the ones who will show up for evangelism training if your church offers it. Very often, evangelists are the kind of people who would prefer to be with lost people than they would prefer to be with, with saved people. They're always aware of people who have not given their life to Christ, and they're always seeking for opportunities to where they can actually tell the great, incredible news of God to a lost world. And oftentimes, these evangelists bother the people in the church because the people in the church uh, don't want to be pushed out. Uh, they don't want to be moved out, uh, outside of that comfortable, uh, nurturing body of the church, and out where lostness is. Evangelists often are not acknowledged and, uh, and appreciated uh, because very often they're pushing the comfortable to become uncomfortable. 
the gift of prophecy. Uh, this one, the gift of prophecy, is, is very often actually more provocative than evangelists are. Um, prophets speak God's truth into a specific place and time for the transformation of lives and communities. Uh, how is a prophet different than a teacher? Well, a prophet makes a body of information and material. They make teaching very, very personal, uh, sometimes even provocative. Uh, prophets very often have to be careful not to offend. They have to, to actually, uh, in their maturity, be able to speak the truth in love. Prophets warn people of how their actions or their lack of action are going to impact them negatively or positively in the future. Prophets throughout the Bible uh, were not always received. Uh, Jeremiah, one of the prophets mentioned in, in the Old Testament, we see, was actually thrown into a well. Uh, because the king at the time didn't like the bad news. Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, we see all through the New Testament where he's beat up, abused, uh, because people did not appreciate his message. Uh, prophets are used by God to bring uh, uh, God's truth and make it to a specific people in place, and they make God's truth very personal. Matter of fact, they apply God's words to a specific situation or place. Um we have evidence through scripture that these guys were not uh, appreciated a whole lot. I think that's why Paul wrote in his letter to the Thessalonians, he says, don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. But unfortunately, a lot of our churches have actually pushed aside this spiritual gift entirely, or these people entirely has moved them away from actually uh, doing the work. We have despised them so much that we've actually kept them from actually functioning. We're encouraged by Paul not to hate it, but to test it. Uh, not to hate it and do away with it, but to test it, to, to put it under the discipline of the church. Then there's the spiritual gift of apostleship. Um, this is the person who has been sent by God uh, to actually uh, other places, uh, other places in the community, other countries, to share the gospel and plant churches. This is the church planting spiritual gift sent out to go outside of their existing church and move so that the church will multiply. Um, the real true definition of the word apostle, it means one who is sent. Uh, in English, we've translated this word, the original word uh, which was understood in its day, the original language was understood as meaning one who is sent. We've just translated, transliterated the word, and so for many of us, we don't understand what it means anymore. Uh, the term apostle appeared long before the 12 apostles, by the way. Uh, it was initially a secular word uh, used primarily as a verb to indicate the sending of people or cargo by way of, of seafaring voyagers. Uh, it's actually not a Bible word, uh, as it were. It was a common everyday term among uh, shipyards and sailors. Uh, the word apostle is used around 80 times in the New Testament and is used in reference to people beyond the 12 apostles. So it's in, used in reference to Paul. It's also used in reference of Barnabas, Andronicus, Junius, and a bunch of other unnamed uh, people who were used by God to, to extend and multiply and plant churches. Uh, Epaphroditus, uh, Silvanus, Timothy. These are all people that God... Uh, gave the gift of apostleship to uh, beyond the 12. The mission uh, for those who have the gift of apostleship today is to plant new ministries and churches. Go into places where the gospel is not preached, 
reach across cultures to establish churches, churches in challenging environments. Uh, these are very often leaders of leaders uh, and ministers of ministers. They are influencers. They are typically entrepreneurial innovators and are able to take risk and perform difficult tasks. And whereas an evangelist uh, may have a string of converts behind them, apostles will usually have a string of communities behind them. I think of uh, Anton Feliciano, who works in the northern part of Rindu. And not only has he started a church in Rindu, but he started other groups um, outside of Rindu. This is what apostles do. Anton walks 25 kilometers one way to groups outside of Rundu and has started, has started communities uh, outside the city. Uh, I, I love this guy. I've known him for years. And I've watched his spiritual gift of apostleship just move. He's an innovator, and he's willing to put the time and effort into it to form communities uh, everywhere. God is using him greatly. So this spiritual gift of apostleship spiritual gift of prophecy, the spiritual gift of evangelism, the spiritual gift of teaching, the spiritual gift of shepherding are all used for building up the church. Uh, these gifts are, are, are for everyone, uh, not just leaders. These gifts are attached to people. Uh, this is you and me and your cousin and your uncle and your sister. This is not some superhero of the faith or some elder council, which means the gifted in chapter 4 uh, is in reference to the everyday common uh, believer. We need to take it as such. And these spiritual gifted people are in operation today. Scripture doesn't say apostolic or prophetic giftings have stopped. In fact, it encourages it forward here in Ephesians and also in Corinthians. The word apostle appears uh, over 80 times in the New Testament. And the word prophet is mentioned 150 times in the New Testament. Ephesians 4.13 says that these gifts and equipping will continue until we reach unity in the faith and measure up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That has not happened yet, so we know these gifts and these gifted are still in operation today. Honestly, the burden of proof uh, is really on those who claim the gifts are not active today. Scripture shows us that these gifts are part of God's ongoing plan for the spread of his kingdom throughout the earth. They're active today. They're part of God's plan for unity, maturity, and growing up of the church so that the church will be doctrinally stable, no longer tossed to and fro, and able to do every work of ministry that God has ordained for us to do. So we need to raise the importance of these gifts instead of pushing them aside. We need to figure out how we can raise uh, uh, and spotlight these gifts, especially the ones that are being ignored. The gift of evangelism, prophecy, and apostleship very much have not only been ignored, but they've been pushed aside, intentionally discontinued. As leaders of churches, we need to identify these people, we need to equip them, and we need to send them. There's a warning here to church members. Um, have you discovered your spiritual gift? The church is being asked, are you operating in your spiritual giftedness? And there's a warning here to church leaders. Uh, are, are we actually identifying and, and equipping and facilitating these gifts? Uh, I'm telling you this, if we don't actually identify these and we don't allow the Spirit of God uh, to work through these gifted people in our church, I think that our church could become racially divided. In other words, we could actually open a door to racism in our church. How horrible would that be? That we would be uh, 
uh, disconnected and that there would be uh, active racism as part of our church. And unfortunately, we've seen this in churches that have died. We see these churches and we see this uh, in motion in, in, um, in churches today that are that, uh, surprising to all that there's racial segregation inside the, the church itself. As these, as these spiritually gifted are able to function in our church, they help us, teach us, and equip us so that we will continue to identify in Christ and that we will be united around him instead of uh, aligning to our past. There's a chance for the church to become uh, void of any kind of faithful doctrine. And we see churches like this all around who, if you look at them closely, you, you can't find anything about that church that looks like anything that's in the Bible. It's because we've highlighted one, not all, of these spiritually gifted people, and they're not functioning properly in the church. There, there's also the possibility that when, when these uh, spiritually gifted are not able to function, that the church will become missionless. In other words, the church will no longer uh, be uh, the vessel by which uh, God expands his kingdom. The church then will be disqualified from actually advancing the cause of Christ to the nations. This hope, uh, this, this uh, purpose of God is that he would be part of the entire universe, that he would penetrate everywhere, that the kingdom of God would go everywhere. Um, well, uh, this will happen with or without us. But if our church is not on board, is, is not actually uh, allowing these spiritually gifted to equip us and edify us and build us up, then our church will be set aside and not be part of God's plan uh, for his kingdom to expand. We'll be missionless, missionless. I spoke recently to a friend of mine who, who works in Kenya, and uh, he met a guy by the name of Ben in December of last year, led him to faith, and then invited him to be part of his house church uh, in Nairobi. Mentored him, trained him, taught him uh, to be a soul winner, uh, to be a church starter. And Ben, uh, this year, uh, just before COVID struck, went to his hometown of Kitali, uh, went to his local church that he had been part of when he was a kid and asked if they would join him and they refused to be part of his plans. And so he actually identified eight people and out of his house began to train these eight people. And uh, from his house in Kitali, um, there has been an explosion, if you will, of, of God's movement in that town. In, in just four months of lockdown, uh, in in that part of Kenya, uh, they've baptized over 300 people. Every other day, Ben sends pictures to my friend of people being baptized. Uh, ben wasn't satisfied with that. Ben has also gone uh, on to the, the western side of Kenya and uh, has begun to train and start groups in that area now too. In just a few short months, the apostolic gifting in Ben is going nuts. Praise the Lord that God is expanding his kingdom in this way. Unfortunately, like in the case of Frederica, who I mentioned as I began this teaching, the existing church did not train him or accept him. May it not be said of us that we did not find and equip a Frederico or a Ben, that we missed them somehow uh, because uh, of, of false teaching, that we believe those gifts don't exist anymore. How horrible of us to actually miss those kinds of people. Uh, how horrible for our church, how horrible for us. May, may it not be said of us that we, that we stifled or that we actually identified these people in our church, but that we, we kept them from actually functioning. We kept them from actually doing what God had gifted them to do. And may it not be said of us. 
that we refuse to actually see what God is calling us to do. Maybe God is calling us to be a Frederico or a Ben. Maybe we have the spiritual gift of apostleship, but we're sitting on it. We're doing nothing with it uh, because maybe we've adopted false teaching or whatever it is, whatever our reason is, may we get up and get to work. God has gifted people in our church, in every church that uh, is a church truly following Jesus Christ, a church full of followers of Jesus Christ. That's the real church. Those churches need to be identifying these spiritually gifted, and those spiritually gifted need to be able to function properly in the context of church. It's God's plan to gift his church with apostles, people with the spiritual gift of apostleship, prophets, people with the gift of prophecy, people with the gift of evangelism, people with a gift of shepherding, people with the gift of teaching, to build up and equip the church for the work of ministry so that the church will be united in Christ and fully mature in Christ. Lord, help us. Oh, Lord, help us, Father, to, to identify as one that you've called. Lord, to, to know that we have the spiritual gift. Lord, help us to be able to see others in our local church uh, who have these spiritual gifts. And Lord, help us to, to move, to, to free us so that we can actually operate and function in this spiritual giftedness. Lord, because we want to be mature. We want to be mature in you. We want to grow up to the full measure so that we can truly be united, so that we can truly be equipped to do the, the work that you've planned for us to do ahead of time. Oh Lord, help us to be the kind of people that you intended for us to be. This is Rico Veca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.